I am aware. I am a humble man. That you feel you don't belong. I won't say you should follow me. You are welcome. You are loved. Join us. And we shall reach the promised plane. I'm not boastful. And my chorus is more soulful. One of joy. We can't see. One lacking pain. What you we are. The cult of what us. Seems to one of us. One of us. gentlemen welcome you're listening to the cult of odd and you're watching the cult of odd on uh, twitch but uh you could be on iHeartRadio, you could be on google podcasts you could be on I, uh, itunes you could be on spotify you could be anywhere after the fact and listening to this because the cult is everywhere and that is something that you should always remember we are here we are everywhere Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, tonight we are wrapping up our episodes, or our series on Skinwalker Ranch. Uh, this is uh, episode 108. Welcome to the Ranch, part three. And we've got some good stuff for you tonight. Uh, but I do want to talk a little bit about uh, a few things. You know, I always kind of ease us into the, the shit. We uh, we recently watched the Five Nights at Freddy's movie, and I have to say, I don't understand the hate that it's getting, because I thoroughly enjoyed the movie, and I like the changes that they've made, and I think that they were for the better. Now, uh, for those of you that aren't aware, Five Nights at Freddy's is a, a vastly popular game franchise it's an uh, independent game franchise that uh that uh, has spanned multiple games not only by its original creator but there have been spin-offs from the community there are graphic novels there are books there is so much lore that the property was just rife for turning into a movie because you could do if done well uh, a franchise of movies off of it and from what I saw from the first movie, I feel that that is 100% what they're shooting for. And through some minor investigative work, uh, also ended up finding out that the uh, one actor that's attached to it was signed for a three-picture deal. Which means there's two more still on the table. Uh, not to mention the fact that it literally smashed box office records left and right. Okay, like, there hasn't been a horror movie that has been this successful in a very long time, if ever. Now, it is PG-13, and I think that that was done for a reason, because a lot of the, the, the game, there is 
gruesome concepts, but a lot of the deaths uh, that happen off screen in the movie kind of tied to stuff that I've seen from the games, right? So I think people were going into it expecting blood, guts, and gore uh, a la Willy's Wonderland, the movie with Nicolas Cage that was almost a, a direct rip from Five Nights at Freddy's. Um, and it was. It was gruesome. It was bloody. It was violent. And it was okay. It, it, it wasn't Five Nights at Freddy's, but for what it was, it was okay. But I think the PG-13 rating for Five Nights at Freddy's was a smart move. I, th I think they did... They chose wisely, if you will. Anyways, I had a, a great time. I, I, I watched it... Uh, with my my wife and two friends, we we did this weird little double date over the internet, right? Um, both parties had Peacock, uh, so we were able to watch it that way. And uh, <laughs> we were just we uh, we were on Discord. We turned the mics down, and you may hear the dryer starting and stopping in the background. Um, but. Uh, uh, we had a little discord chat we we turned our mics down and we were just sitting there sending gifts and saying stupid shit to each other through the chat while paying attention to the movie like i said it was this weird little double date thing but it was kind of cool and uh it was fun so but uh yeah i i highly recommend checking out the five nights at freddy's movie it's available for streaming on peacock or you can go to the theater and see it if that's something that you so choose um, but, um, yeah, if, uh, you're looking for a fun little horror movie and, uh, what could possibly be become as, uh, prevalent a franchise as say, I don't know, the Child's Play series or even the Halloween series, by all means, go check it out. It was from Blumhouse too. So like that right there, like Blumhouse has done a lot of movies, but, uh, and I don't think that there's been one that I've been like, this is terrible. Why? Why'd you do this? Why you do this? Um, we are still working on our little GTA server, and uh, we are moving along pretty well. We hit a, a few speed bumps here and there just because, you know, clashing personalities and idea sets and then shit not wanting to work, but for the most part, we're doing okay. We're, we're getting it there. Uh, I spent uh, over the weekend setting up uh, drugs. Yeah, it, it released same day on Peacock. Uh, but yeah, uh, so I spent uh, uh, last weekend setting up drugs in the, our little GTA server and hiding all the locations to get the stuff to make them and and whatnot and uh, i have to say i'm kind of enjoying the coding and being super sneaky and hiding things in places people haven't seen before um it's fun it's uh, a new new skill set work is going okay um i i don't know i think i may have found my niche with this job because i'm, I'm literally paid to be friendly and helpful and I know friendly and helpful is not the energy that I normally give off. But, uh, man, I'm really good at faking it for a paycheck. <laughs> but, no, like, it's it's simple. And most people, if you know how to talk to them, they're just, 
absolutely thrilled that someone can actually help them, right? That they, they're not lost. Um, you do every occasional jerk and, uh, you know, but you're going to have that with everything. Uh, the wife recently, just the other day, had a lovely conversation with somebody who decided to uh, be very nasty and uh, vulgar towards her. And uh, thankfully, we have a job that, uh, you know, doesn't force you to put up with that. So the supervisor got involved and listened in and said, cut it. And apparently this uh, individual got uh, blacklisted, too, so they can no longer call in. So that's even better. Um, I just realized November has three fucking Wednesdays that will be live. So... I have no idea what we're doing for the next episode. Uh, it's probably going to be some weird little roundup. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just realized uh, November has three fucking Wednesdays in it that I'll, uh, will be live. So I hope you're looking forward to that. You get three chances to hang out with my weird ass. Other than that, things have been pretty good. Um, I can't complain too much. I definitely like the numbers that we're getting for our episodes. Uh, I think, uh, what was it? Actually, I can check right now while I'm thinking of it. Doesn't take but a minute. Um, our latest, our last few episodes have really done fairly well. Um, numbers are, are going up and up and up. Um, yeah, our last episode, uh, 416 downloads, right? It's weird too. Um, so it really does matter how I hashtag and, uh, you know, keyword the episodes because episode one, I was really tired. And when I went to keyword it, um, I could only think of so many things and, it definitely shows because we only got 188 downloads on episode one. But episode two, we got 416 downloads on. And then the last part of Yes, Virginia, There Is Swamp Gas is sitting at a cool almost 1,700. So, like, thank you. Thank you for all of that. Thank you for every download. I I appreciate it, and I'm I'm happy that you guys enjoy what we do enough to download it that much. Um. But yeah, 416 downloads for episode two or uh, part two of Welcome to the Ranch. So I can't wait to see what this does. For those of you that are just rolling in, welcome. Uh, this is episode 108 of Welcome to the Ranch part three, the finale of our series on the Skinwalker Ranch. All right. Oh, it's Dave. Wait, that didn't play, did it, Dave? Did you hear that? What the... Did, uh, OBS has been pissing me off lately. I'm going to be honest with you. I do not understand what is going on with OBS. It seems like every time I go to load it, there seems to be an issue with the things that I have set up. Like, hold on. Give me a second here. Uh, copy. Properties. Well, I know why that is. Hold on. 
Okay, that should be pulling the audio from there now. I'm going to go ahead and delete this. And save it. And then I'm going to go back and I'm going to replace that. Uh, I'm going to do the same thing here. Because I want my shit to work the way it's supposed to. And the bitch of the thing is, I went through and tested everything. Like, I've been here for the, like the last 15 minutes going through and testing and making sure that stuff works the way it's supposed to. And it did. It all worked. Until I needed it to work. All right, everything got a fresh run through. It should work now. Dave, do it again, please. Do it again. I want to make sure that you can hear it. Why are you not? God fucking damn it, Dave. What is the problem here? Yeah, but it's lower than it should be. Oh well. I'll get it fixed for next time. I don't understand. Do these still work or did these break on me too? Let me see. So bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. Yeah, that worked. Dave, one more time for me, buddy. Okay, well, that just made it. Uh, you know what? I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. It's probably going to play in 20 minutes. Uh, I don't know what's going on. I'm sorry. I apologize. You can take me behind the fucking lighthouse and shoot me later. I don't know. Uh, all right. So let's jump in and get to this week's episode, shall we? Make this bigger. I have my handy dandy notepad here. Uh, Alright, so in the previous two episodes, we discussed the intriguing and mysterious events that have occurred on the rural Utah ranch. These events have included, but were not limited to, the sighting of glowing orbs, multiple cryptid accounts, paranormal-like en encounters, seemingly extra-dimensional happenings, uh, down to just the, the unexplained nuts-and-bolts craft appearing and animal mutilations. Uh, also, don't forget Men in Black and uh, God knows a number of other things. While all of these strange occurrences were experienced by the owners of the property, the Sherman family, it was just the tip of the iceberg for what was to follow. Especially when an enig enigmatic figure contacted the family to inquire about purchasing the ranch from the family. 
Uh, we had name dropped who that was in the last episode. It is wild to think that this individual wanted to be involved, like heard what was going on and was like, I want that. That's going to be mine. I'm going to make her mine someday. She going to be all mine. Pretty little thing. Anyways. Uh, it's weird because like part of me would be like, you know, I kind of want to. I would love to have been there to see it. You know, I, I, I don't go to creepy places. I don't go to spooky places. I don't go to anywhere where there's paranormal activity of any kind because I seem to be a goddamn antenna for the shit. I'm a magnet. And if you put me in a place where there is activity already, that activity will become heightened while I am there. And I just don't want to deal with that. One, I don't want... I don't want to poop my pants. I don't, I don't want to be scared like that. Two, it is incredibly draining to be around those types of things. Um, whether you believe in the whole idea of, you know, energies and people being empathic and, you know, feeding off of or feeding into, uh, I can tell you that to an extent, it is very true. Like social outings, right? I don't go out in public very much because social outings are very draining. Even if I'm just sitting in a chair in the room while the social gathering is happening around me, by the time I am done, I feel like I have had every ounce of energy ripped out of my body. It's just too much. Too much, too much. So I typically will shy away from large gatherings of people. Um, by large gatherings of people, I mean more than two. Uh, I'm very... I'm like a practicing hermit almost, right? Like, I, I don't go out. If I, unless I absolutely have to, I don't choose to be around a bunch of people like physically present with them unless I absolutely have to. Um, I much prefer my tight knit little community of uh, freaks and weirdos that I have here on the internet that I hang out with on Discord on a regular basis. Uh, shout out to Hacks, uh, shout out to, to Dave, shout out to Raccoon, uh, shout out to Skelly. Uh, shout out to any number of people, Gus, everybody who pops in and out of that gaming chat whenever we're in there. Um, I absolutely love hanging out with you guys. And uh, for some of you, we're coming up on the year anniversary that we've known each other. And it is it has been a great year. I am, I'm glad to have met you. I, I hope for many more. Uh, but I understand that people are people and shit happens. So... But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I have this, this weird little group that I found through RP. Woo! They killed the cop! Oh, shit. Get out of the car, man. Oh, man, this is the cop car. This is a... Hello. You boys like Mexico! Yeah! That almost accurately sums up how I've met most of these people. <laughs> no, but, like, I, I like my weird little group of people, and, uh... You know, I'm glad that they, they put up with me because, uh, one, 
as the character that I play, I am fucking a lot, right? Like, I am a lot to deal with as the character that I play in RP. But then you take me, my own personality, and I am even a lot as a person. So, you know, I'm very opinionated, very strong-willed, uh, and very willing to tell you you're a fucking idiot if you're. I think you're being a fucking idiot. So, um, mm. I don't know. But uh, I got candy. I didn't even have to do do any tricks or pull any treats. That's right. I'm a prostitute because the only product I have to sell is me. Well, that's not true. The merch store has a bunch of cool designs, too, if you want to go check them out. We got coffee mugs, no, t-shirts, no, stickers. No, you don't get to flip my insult into a fucking promo for your shit. Yeah, I do. That, that's what being a salesman is all about. Well, then I guess you don't get a cheeseburger. Where was there going to be a cheeseburger? We got cheeseburger money? You want that cheeseburger? We got cheeseburger money? You got you want that cheeseburger? Do we have cheeseburger money? Yes. Maybe. Can't guarantee it's warm if it's coming from Belleville. Oh my god. <laughs> Nothing I like more than a cold cheeseburger from Belleville. Yeah, alright. Yeah, so cold cheeseburgers from Belleville, 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 Belleville for the win. I can't English. How are you supposed to podcast if you can't English? Uh, lots of people do it all the time. All right, I'm turning this off. <laughs> no. All right, so uh, as the harrowing tales of the owners started making the rounds in the news, billionaire Robert Bigelow stepped forward to see if the patriarch of the family, Terry Sherman, had any interest in selling the ranch. Wanting, to se wanting a second chance at a fresh start for his family, Terry agreed. Of course. Why wouldn't you? I'm sure he, uh, uh, Robert Bigelow offered a shit ton of money to to get them off that property right and uh, think of it think of yourself in terry sherman's shoes i got cow that are being mutilated i got fucking lights in the sky i got weird goddamn campers parking off the property i got fucking hippies showing up i'm gonna sell the property to get away from it because as anyone knows hippies is just a bridge too far right <laughs> I'm cool with the cattle mutilation, the aliens, the orbs, the fucking strange craft, all that shit. <laughs> Giant fucking dog coming after me, but the hippies show up, I'm ready to sell. Uh, that's apparently where Terry drew the line. Uh, now, to give a bit of backstory on Robert Bigelow. Bigelow is an entrepreneur and self-made billionaire. That's billionaire with a B. He made his fortune with extremely successful real estate investments commercial hotels motels and apartments 
namely his creation of the budget suites of America, brought in a majority of his wealth. Because if there's one thing that business people like more, it it's saving money. Uh, the hotel mostly catered to travelers who needed a cheap alternative for a night or two in a hotel stay in relation to an unexpected flight layover or a place to catch a quick nap on long drives across the country. Actually, I believe Budget Suites 2, when they first started, was utilized by a lot of businessmen as well because it, it was low cost. It gave you a bed. It gave you a place to fucking get clean and... You know, it was budget suite, so they're probably not too far off from some place that you could uh, get a little uh, libation and uh, entertainment, if you will, brought back to your hotel room. Anyways, um, so yeah, it was it was cheap hotels, man. Who doesn't love a cheap hotel? As I stretch for time while I eat my chocolate. Actually, I was trying to open my chocolate. But, um, needless to say, this was a very niche market at the time of its induction, and it quickly became profitable. When you think about it, how many times have you been traveling cross-country or, you know, uh, looking for a place to stay, and, you know, found yourself trying to find the cheapest hotel room you can? I know when the wife and I, we traveled from Kentucky. It's Halloween candy, too, so leave me alone. When we traveled from Kentucky to Arizona, we had a unplanned, unexpected, but forced stop in Little Rock, Arkansas. And that was because I drove into a fucking storm that I couldn't see a foot in front of my windshield. It was uh, very, very, very heavy rain. And I was driving a PT cruiser filled to the brim with shit and two animals. And it was, where can we find to sleep for the night that will let us bring the animals into the room? Because we can't leave them in the car all night. That's just terrible. And uh, so, yeah, that was the scramble. What's cheap? What will allow us to bring our animals in? It was not a budget, by the way. I forget what we stayed at. Motel 8? I think that was it. I don't know. Anyways, so the, the need was there. And Bigelow saw the need and decided to... You know, capitalize on it. Um, Bigelow grew up in Las Vegas, Nevada. He attended Heinlein Elementary School and was first exposed to science through a number of nuclear weapons tests conducted about 70 miles northwest of the city. So his interest in science and the, the unexplained and things like that goes all the way back to his upbringing. At the age of 12, Bigelow decided that his future lay in space travel. Despite his limitations in mathematics, he resolved to choose a career that would make him rich enough that one day he could hire the scientific expertise required to launch his own space program. He enrolled in the University of Nevada uh, in Reno in 62 to study banking and real estate 
and he graduated from Arizona State University in 1967. Uh, we already stated that he was he developed commercial real estate, hotels, motels, and apartments. In his real estate career, Bigelow bought, built approximately 15,000 units and purchased another 8,000. For most of his career, he held on to almost everything he bought, but eventually unloaded much of his housing stock in the boom year uh, the boom years immediately before the 2008 crash uh in 2013 bigelow reflected on on this saying people just really wanted to throw money away so that was lucky uh he owns budget suites of america an extended stay apartment chain founded in 1987 uh, like we said, it caters to the budget travelers needing to stay for an extended period. Its rooms are primarily suites featuring a full kitchen. Budget Suites owns three hotels in Phoenix, Arizona, five in Las Vegas, Nevada, ten in Dallas, Texas, and one in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, in 99, Bigelow founded uh, Bigelow Aerospace, which was stepping him closer and closer to that dream of being in the uh the unknown of space now with the importance of the use of mathematics in the scientific pursuit bigelow reluctantly admitted to not having the strongest grasp of the subject as we stated and he resolved to pursue his career with the immense interest in science and fringe subjects he founded the National Institute for Discovery Science, or NIDS, in 1995. This organization would investigate cattle mutilations as well as paranormal sites. Cannot talk tonight. As well as UFO sightings. Among the UFO sightings uh, was the prevalence of black triangles. The group would later attribute the majority of the Black Triangle sightings to secretive aircraft operations by the military. Think uh, um, stealth bomber and and whatnot. Remember, too, we've talked about before um, when it comes to aliens, and and we've we've sat down and we've spoken to uh, Ace um, about how he and his mother have seen a, a, a dark triangle shadowy shape flying through the sky um right around the time period that uh the 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 stealth bomber would have been being tested still and whatnot and uh you gotta think there there's three points right there's the the point on each wing and the point at the nose and in the sky you know, if it's dark, you're not going to be able to really decipher anything other than there's a point, there's a point, there's a point, that's a triangle. It I don't think we're ever really going to know how much the, the military actually knows about X, Y, or Z when it comes to aliens. I also don't think we're ever going to fully know all the toys in the U.S. government's, uh, you know, war chest. 
I think a lot of these have been designed and created, these, these crafts that we see in the air, I think that they are, are obviously military funded, and I, I think that they have been designed for, um, I don't know if necessarily advanced warfare, but uh, definitely moving us forward uh, technologically when it comes to war and warfare. Um, <clears throat> I think they're they're like the concept cars, right? That you see every year at the the auto shows and whatnot. You take a look at this thing, and it's it's just so goddamn wild. You're like, that's never gonna be on the road, and you're you're usually right. However, there are aspects of these vehicles that we do eventually see three, five, seven, and ten years down the line. Think about it. The the idea of seatbelts was a concept, right? It was put in, into car, cars and shown as a concept car at some point. Something as simple as seatbelts. Um, so, like, later years down the line, the idea of uh, GPS, uh, a car that could get you to and from without uh you know the need for a paper map was a concept car and yet now everybody has a gps on their phone so i'm wondering too a lot of the times that the the, the aircraft and stuff that we see is not maybe necessarily production aircraft but they're concept vehicles and that they don't throw all they don't throw the baby out with the bathwater if you catch what i mean you know like they they pull a little bit from this, like maybe it's got advanced tracking or maybe it's got advanced shielding for radar or maybe the damn thing can become completely invisible. They're not necessarily going to put the, the, the whole thing into production, but they're bits and pieces of it that they like. And those things then later show up in other vehicles. So, you know, there, there's an idea for you. It's, it's, it's not experimental aircraft. It, they're just concept vehicles, right? It's just, it's just a concept. They're they're doing a little show, you know. <laughs> Anyways, um, so uh, the the NIDS, uh, as we stated, was founded in '95, and the organization would investigate all sorts of paranormal happenings and UFO sightings. And among the UFO sightings, the black triangles, the uh, their aircraft operations by military. However, the NIDS disbanded in 2004, but not before Robert Bigelow purchased Skinwalker Ranch from the Sherman family. In 1996, two years after the Sherman's purchase of the ranch, the family's strange encounters had reached news outlets. Among these reports was an article written by George Knapp. These reports caught the attention of Robert Bigelow. His interest, his intense interest, in the subject matter convinced him to make an offer of $200,000 to purchase the land. Now, let's do the math real quick while we're thinking about it. Because I'm curious. $200,000... Right? In 1996. So, in 1996, $200,000 uh, was worth, for us today, almost 
double. Now, I have no idea how much the Shermans paid for uh, the ranch that they bought. But $200,000 in 1996 still would have gone quite a long ways. It would have had the purchasing value of almost $400,000. And if you have just been spending the last two years on a ranch that you paid for, losing money left and right, right? Because it's mutilating the cattle, cattle, it's freaking out, you know, the, the workers and the, the people that work there. I'm sure they couldn't work the land like they really wanted to. <clears throat> so they were losing money hand over fist. And Robert Bigelow comes in with the equivalent of $400,000 in purchasing power and says, this is yours. Of course you're going to take it. You'd be silly not to. So the Shermans accepted the offer from Bigelow, and quick, uh, when Bigelow bought the ranch, he quickly moved his team of scientists from NIDS onto the property to begin surveillance and investigation of the 512 acres of land. Included with the purchase was some of the Sherman's cattle. The mutilations had intrigued Bigelow, and he knew if something were to happen, it would happen with the animal first more or, or those animals first more than likely to prepare for the investigation bigelow assembled a team of highly regarded scientists the best surveillance equipment and even constructed on-site labs this provided the group the ability to test any evidence of phenomena might have that might have been produced on the site as soon as possible right robert bigelow is a man that didn't want to have to wait he enjoyed the paranormal he enjoyed the study of the 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 weird and the 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 far-fetched and sending stuff off to labs you don't know who could intercept it right along the way think about it um Think about if you you had genuine proof of alien existence, right? And you sent it off to a lab to be analyzed and tested and, and looked at so you could get the results back. And that lab just so happens to, to run the stuff through a computer and the computer pings and the U.S. government's like, hey, what do you got there? Mind if I take a look at it? Yeah, it's mine now. And then you don't get the answer. However... If you have the best scientists that money can buy and the best lab equipment that money can buy and it's all right there at the site, you don't have to send shit off and you don't have to worry about anyone being alerted to it. So it was smart to do it that way. The Shermans moved off the property to a new home about 25 miles away. The wife and two children seemed elated at the prospect of putting the ranch behind them. No longer under the watchful eye of the, of the unknown that permeated the area, Terry Sherman, however, didn't feel the same sense of relief. He couldn't come to terms with the unknown things that took place there, let alone those things driving him from his home and livelihood. He couldn't let it go and soon became the ranch manager for the NI, NIDS team. If something were to be discovered, he wanted to be front and center for it. So that tracks, right? Wife and kids are thrilled that they don't have to worry about fucking cow parts showing up unexpectedly. They don't have to worry about fucking tractors that are up a tree falling on them. 
They don't have to worry about strange. Uh, what was it? Uh, campers like the 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 supposed MIB person drove onto the property off in the distance in a camper, and you don't have to worry about the hippies. Of course, you're going to be happy. Uh, but uh, Terry Sherman, on the other hand, I I kind of see where he's at. You know, like. Sure, it probably would be a relief to be away from all that stuff, but at the same time, you're asking yourself, am I crazy? Did I imagine it? Is that real? You know, and if there was hard evidence, like if someone today could show me hard evidence that ghosts were real, that aliens were real, that Bigfoot was real, that all these things that I believe in are real. You damn right I want to see it. I want to know. I want to know what's going on. I want to see what's going on. I want irrefutable proof. Like, I want to sit down and fucking share pancakes with Bigfoot. So I get it. I get where he's coming from. I get that he he would want to be there. And I think most of you listening would probably want to be there too. I mean, for fuck's sake, who doesn't want to have pancakes with Bigfoot? Colm Keller. Colm Keller, who was a PhD in biochemistry, was one of the first scientists recruited by Bigelow. He was handpicked for his unique perspective on the investigation. He sought to apply an analytic approach to the events to understand and possibly explain the phenomena in the area. Basically, he thought that if what was happening at the property were to be explained, it would be through scientific means and not some unknown fantastical explanation. In his book, Hunt for the Skinwalker, he describes his first day arriving at the ranch. On approach, he can't help but be in awe of the countryside. He was taken aback at the beauty of the area. This couldn't possibly be the same place that the stories of poltergeists and UFO activities had taken place. That mindset would quickly change. As he toured the ranch with Terry Sherman, he was overwhelmed with the sense that someone, or something, was watching him something ominous and it didn't sit quite right with him i hear that song in my head i always feel like somebody's watching me please don't hit me twitch but imagine that imagine coming onto the property right like you're a scientist because scientists are supposed to be open to any possibility but we have to accept the fact that even scientists have confirmed biases, right? Like, we all have them. When you walk outside in the morning, you know, if you see light coming through your windows, you walk outside, your confirmed bias is that that sun is shining. Or you you believe something wholeheartedly, ah, Jesus existing is a confirmed bias, right? It doesn't matter what proof that you show, they're never going to believe that he doesn't exist. You know, it's the same thing with uh, little kids in uh, Santa Claus, right? Santa Claus, Santa Claus exists because they say it does. 
so this man who is is all business, all science, all factual, heads to this property, sees how beautiful it is, and is like, there's no way. This looks like a, a freaking postcard. Right? This is Norman Rockwell painting. This is this is Bob Ross and his happy little trees on full display. There's no way that something weird or creepy or ominous could be happening around here. And then he sets foot on the property. And when he sets foot on the property, baby, it all changes. Like me, I can look at a graveyard and see, you know, how beautiful the lawn is kept or, you know, how nicely decorated it is or, you know, any number of things. Graveyards can be very pretty. They're very sad places, I get that, but a graveyard can be a very pretty place. However, let me set foot on that motherfucker and I will tell you how bad it is despite how pretty it may look. Because you got to remember, uh, again, whether or not you believe in the, the paranormal or the energies that we all have in us, I don't care. I do. I believe in it because I've lived it. And there was nothing ever telling me that if I stepped onto a, 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 a graveyard, I would feel the energy in the land. But I do. And it's creepy. Because graveyards are filled with people from all walks of life there's all different kinds of energy good energy bad energy evil energy you know just all of it swirling together your great great grandmother could be buried there and she could have been a fantastic person but two rows over is somebody's grandpappy who was just a fucking asshole he was rotten to the core. He was uh, racist and woman uh, or misogynist and, and all this stuff. And his energy's in that land as well. It's it's uh, it's a strange place to be. I know uh, too. Um, the wife and I we were watching um, Jack Osborne's newest show, where he's going through haunted locations with his mom. And they got to there, and they got to this one place, and there were multiple entities in the building. And they referred to one of them uh, after Chip Coffee had come in. And they referred to one of the entities as the head ghost. And, like, my mind was like, how do you get that job, right? How, as a dead person, do you, you become the head ghost, right? And... The wife had said, well, you know, because they're they're scarier than the rest. They're stronger than the rest. They're meaner. They're angrier. And I'm like, you're already fucking dead. What can they do? Like, seriously, if a ghost is afraid of something, why? What's worse than already being dead? Anyways. Sorry to get off on a tangent there. My brain just runs off in directions, and sometimes i got to reel that motherfucker back in. Uh, during his tour, he was led to a spot of a fence line that separated the ranch from the neighboring property. Uh, it was curiously positioned under a length of barbed wire 
were two carcasses of the neighbor's cows. After examining the corpses and noting the peculiar wounds on them, eyes missing, surgical puncture wounds and such, he inquired as to how long the animals had been there. When he received the answer of around a year, Keller was dismayed. Surely after a few months the animals would be nothing but bones. Under the heat of the Utah sun and the abundance of scavengers, they would have been picked clean and all the flesh and meat would have been rendered. What could possibly cause the preservation of these animals in such a way? Also, <clears throat> what was it uh, or was it the way they perished that kept the scavengers from stripping the meat up from them? Could they sense something unnatural led to their demise? Were they tainted somehow or some way by something otherworldly? You see, there are tons of accounts of people claiming to have witnessed UFOs or to have been victims of alien abductions that, after the fact dealt with symptoms that sound a lot like small radiation exposures. Nausea, sunburn-like marks, lesions. Could this be what kept other predators at bay and preserved the bodies in such a manner? And if so, where is the source of this radiation? Did being in a fairly close proximity to earlier nuclear tests attract or open a proverbial door for a host of unknown entities? There's a thought. I read a lot of science fiction growing up. And in science fiction, there's, there's always, you know... There's always a lesson about man messing with forces they don't quite understand. And it's it's not meant as a don't do it. It's always meant more as a be aware of what you don't know. Right? Be willing to accept that you there's what you don't know, you really don't know. And what if that's the case? What if it is entirely possible that, you know, think of stories like H.P. Uh, Lovecraft's Cthulhu. There, there has to be a gateway opened in order for the creatures to come through. Uh, we see it all the time in, in horror movies and science fiction movies and, and, and everything. You know, people go meddling with things they ought not be meddling with. And then next thing you know, boop, they've got a doorway to unspeakable horror. So what if us messing with nuclear bombs and setting off little explosions to try to figure out how we can control all this energy and use it as a weapon, what if all these little explosions we made cracked something open? He's right in the, the range of where things would have been done. You know, you've got that Utah and, and Nevada and, uh, you know, Arizona and, and all those little states along there where they were like, yeah, nobody lives here right now. Let's go ahead and blow it up. 
I think it's entirely possible. Probable, maybe not, but possible, 100%. The hell we're doing it right now with the Large uh, Hadron. I almost called it the Large Hardon Collider. But we're doing it right now with the Large Hadron Collider. We, we have... We have a minimal grasp. We have no idea what could come of it. We just, we only know what we know. Actually, we only know what we think we know. Because when it comes to science, uh, anything can change what we think we know. Keller would go on to spend 100 days and 100 nights on the ranch. Some of which was spent with uh, co-author George Knapp. The two would go on to describe their experiences. Again, no solid evidence has ever been produced on the subject, so you'll have to take their accounts with a grain of salt. I would, however, say that coming from a Ph.D. holding biochemist and a reputable professional journalist, that you can take their accounts—you can't take their accounts for granted. Among their accounts were sudden cold spots appearing around the property. The inexplicable scent of sulfur, like uh, or sulfur-like smell, overwhelming them, and just as suddenly dissipating. The appearance of orbs performing unfathomable movements in the night sky, and constant electrical issues and generator failures. Equipment malfunctions, surveillance cameras being ripped from their mounted positions, with no one or nothing in sight. Shimmering creatures in the distance, along with an all-around constant feeling of dread and despair. Even though no official reports or evidence has been brought forth, it seems undeniable that these men, respected in their mutual fields, encountered something that is still unexplainable. Or is it? Now, I've smelt that sulfur smell from time to time. And I've smelt it both in houses and out of houses. Now, when you smell it in houses, it's that scent of rotten eggs, right? And when you smell it in houses, you have cause for alarm because now you think there's a gas leak. When you smell it outside, you naturally attribute it to any number of things, right? Uh, in a neighborhood, it could be a car that has a bad catalytic converter. It could be the neighbor opening their windows, letting out uh, the stench of a batch of uh, hard-boiled eggs. It could be a factory that's producing the smell. It could be any number of things. But these people are out in the middle of goddamn nowhere in a pasture. So there's only a few things that could create that smell. One of them would be a fissure, right? A natural gas deposit that, for whatever reason, every so often only lets off a, a quick puff. That makes sense. An unknown gas fissure somewhere on the property, nearby, briefly opens, takes a tiny little poot of uh, sulfuric gas and puts it into the air and then that's it. But that seems too easy an explanation, right? Like, it comes too easy. 
It's almost too predictable. And what about those mutilated cattle? They they'd been there for so long. How would how how would that have been preserved? The thing that I keep getting tripped up on is the the accounts of the cattle mutilation. They always come with the term surgical precision. Right? Like that seems weird. And we talked about in the last episode uh the the creature the chupacabra and how it's said to have fed on livestock and drained them of blood and removed organs with a surgical like precision now, do i think the chupacabra is vacationing here in america probably not i don't think he put on a little hat and packed his little suitcase it was like i'm going to utah let's see what them mormons is up to But it's obviously clear that something is going on. Now, the skeptic in me says that the land was bad and Sherman knew it. Let's put aside the wide-eyed dreamer. Let's put aside the, the, the thought of fantastical ideas. And let's look at this logically to try and figure out what was going on. The skeptic in me says Sherman knew the land was bad. It wasn't spooky bad. He knew maybe he couldn't grow on it or he wasn't going to be able to raise cattle the way he wanted to on it. But he had to make it look like he was trying. So he made all this up. Now, how he got a tractor 20 feet in the air, stuck in a, a, a tree, have no idea. But the other occurrences, like the mutilated cattle, um, I would figure that if you're a rancher, that it is entirely possible that you know how to slaughter an animal. But I don't think that it would be possible for him to have the skill set to surgically remove chunks like with the precision and still not drop any blood right cuz that's that's the big weird question mark how the fuck was this animal drained of blood? Why is there no blood around? Where did the blood go? And that seems like a lot of work to put in for a hoax. But I guess anything's possible, right? You know, uh, I find it hard to believe that you wouldn't spill any of it, but maybe Dexter was your favorite show. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're a little more advanced than I think you are. So you build up all these crazy stories. But then here's the thing, like you're banking on a lot, right? Like if you talk too crazy about the land, you're never going to be able to sell it. And it's not like Sherman or Terry Sherman had intimate knowledge that Robert Bigelow existed and he was into the paranormal, right? We didn't have the internet. It it, it didn't work like that. Uh, so 
like, I don't understand. Like, his best bet if the land was bad and he knew it was to just shut the fuck up and make a go of it and then sell the property off saying, oh, well, you know, I, I've decided to move on to different things or, you know, I, I've got to leave Utah or any number of reasons. But, you know, if, if if you knew X existed and you knew Y would be interested, then you could very easily see doing Z. But the more you try to logically think about it, like, okay, this man was just, you know, creating these things to try to get notoriety and maybe make money off of it. That's a big maybe for that time. Right? You know, he bought it in 94. And, like, I don't. I don't believe in 94 the paranormal or, you know, any of the creepy shit that is prevalent today would have been that big to risk your entire livelihood on. Because that's a hell of a fucking gamble, right? If you want out of this ranch, you're going to make it seem like there's there's spooky, scary skeletons and and creepy ass shit going on and you're hoping someone will buy it off you that sounds like more of today's time because like with the shows like ghost hunters and ghost adventurers and ghost brothers and uh ghosting my axe and and god knows what else there is i mean it's heavily prevalent i mean we we have two two different well we had two different now they've they've sort of combined but we have two different museums, right, currently that are filled with paranormal items. Uh, you have the uh, museum that the Warrens ran, um, Ed and Lorraine Warren, the, the people the, uh, the Conjuring movies are loosely about. And then you have the museum that is set up by, uh, who, what? <laughs> I call him Douchebaggins, but it's Zach Baggins. Right, he has his own museum of of paranormal uh, items and whatnot, and uh, you know it's 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 a big business now, but it wasn't back then. There was mild interest at best, but it it was nowhere near the the revenue generator that it is now. So I can't I can't honestly see why someone would try to do that so that leads me back to okay logically this is all too crazy for someone to actually try to pull off and and not lose their shirt in all right we're back to he's got to be telling the truth but at the same time if all this stuff was happening why would you mention anything about it because it would mean that your your farm nobody's going to buy beef you got a g- 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 ghost beef? No. You gonna uh uh you gonna go go try to to get a calf from the the UFO farm? You know, God knows what the hell. It's probably given green milk. So like, it's defeatist either way you go. And it's weird that he chose to go with the I. I'm gonna talk about it. Because it seems to me if you were trying to ranch cattle, 
and all this weird shit kept happening, even though you're losing money from the, the cattle mutilations, you're going to want to investigate why they're mutil getting mutilated. But all that other shit, you would just be like, mm -mm, I didn't see nothing. Nope. I don't know a damn thing. What you talking about? I don't know. Seems weird. <sighs> so after uh, George Knapp and uh, Keller had their experiences in 2004 after eight years investigation and God only knows how much money was spent Robert Bigelow closed NIDS down the ranch was no longer a point of interest for the time being at least in a statement on the uh, NIDS website Bigelow explained that there had been no experiences recorded at Skinwalker Ranch. No evidence, no UFOs, no Bigfoot, no paranormal activity, no black triangles the size of football fields blocking out the night skies. Nothing. One must speculate, though, especially after everything Knapp, Keller, and the Shermans reported. Was there truly nothing of significant importance happening at the ranch? Or did Bigelow finally have an answer and keep the findings to himself? I imagine with Bigelow being the savvy businessman that he is, he would have hid his, he would have had his NIDS team under a non disclosure agreement. Now, the Shermans were there for two years. Right? And then Bigelow came in. Remember last time I had mentioned the idea that what if the Sherman farm were on ley lines? Right? These are the... Uh, these are the lines that the uh, the ancient cultures believe connected the world, uh, that uh, the energy flows deeply through them. And if you look at a map of where the ley lines are, they all converge not too far from the ranch. There's a couple of them that run through the property, or run near the property, I should say. But they all converge about... I think 20, 30 miles away from the ranch. So what if it was ley lines? What if the ley lines were pulling the energy? Everything has a cycle on this planet, right? We have summer, we have winter. These are cycles. We have our, our day and our night. These are cycles. The planet also goes through shifts every so often. You hear them talk about, oh no, the poles are going to switch. Nothing's going to work. The planes are going to fly upside down. The frogs are going to be straight. Everything's going to be pandemonium. It, it doesn't work like that. Our poles have been shifting since most of us have been alive. It happens. It's a natural occurrence on a planet. It is a giant rock floating in space. That eventually polarization does change. You can change the polarization of a regular magnet here on Earth. What makes you think the planet is any different? 
What if during those two years, those ley lines had fountains, rivers of energy flowing through them? And they were supercharging the land for all of these things to occur. And what if when Bigelow's team came in, that activity had started to die down because the energy wasn't pulsing the same. It was a cycle. It was a two-year cycle. Or maybe it was a four- or five-year cycle. Who knows how long that activity had been going on before the Shermans had gotten there. Couple in the fact, too, of the entire United States, especially areas like Utah, is built atop an ancient Indian burial ground. And the countless number of lives that were lost while settlers traveled from the east to the west through Utah. And the <clears throat> numerous amounts of, of battles and stuff that were fought before the English got here, you know, between the, the natives themselves on that land. There's a lot of energy there. It makes sense that it would act, the land acts like a battery, right? You remember the movie Ghostbusters? Where they talked about the Twinkie? When they were talking about shutting down the, uh, the containment field for the ghosts? And that if they did that, it would be very bad. That's because all of that energy that was stored in there would have to go somewhere. And if you <clears throat> remember, uh, it, like if you read the comics or you even watched the cartoons, which are considered mostly canon, there, there was a pressure release valve that had to be taken care of every so often. Every so often they had to clear space and make space. They had to let off some of that energy. Well, what if that area is acting as a battery and it's it's holding on to all that energy that's flowing through it? And after a while, it gets too full and it's got to let shit off. And when it lets shit off, you get orbs, you get Bigfoot, you get fucking aliens, you get cattle mutilations because some creature from another dimension has been able to walk its way in and take a look at your livestock and go, Buffet! I feel the, these things are entirely possible. But we're talking about the realm of the impossible. And even though it does seem far-fetched, it doesn't seem like it's so far-fetched to be like, nah. Because we see things in our regular life that are like that, right? Again, batteries sometimes do need to discharge energy. If a battery sits too long, the buildup that happens on it, you know, that, that fucking corrosion that happens that's because it sat too long and it's trying to expel the energy and when it tries to expel it it cracks and the battery acid starts to leak uh, take people if too much energy builds up good or bad we have to let it off we have to get it out of us it's called nervous energy it's called anger it's called laughter it's 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 any number of things uh, think, uh, cause I got a friend that makes beer 
what happens when the um, the yeast uh, builds up too much pressure, right? It's pressure is energy. It generates heat, so it's generating energy. You have to open the release valve. We we have a pressure release valve on many things in our life because pressure builds up and it needs to be released. So what if that was the, what happened? What if the Shermans bought the ranch right in a, a period where the the land had accumulated way too much energy and was pressure releasing? You know, uh, in the story of the Ghostbusters, it's not every day that they have a call, right? It's a they only really get called when a lot of ba when bad shit happens. That's because everything's built up. Now I know I'm using a lot of fiction to try to 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 explain real life, but. I often feel that there is a lot more truth in our, our fiction than we like to admit or that we even know. And maybe that's why, you know, I don't have anything good, firm, hard evidence because I grew up watching science fiction. I grew up reading science fiction. I... I there's a shred of truth I understand in all of it, and, mo and most of it is made up until it isn't. Because, again, I go back to Star Trek. Communicators. No different. Life-saving devices were a fantasy at one point. You know, granted, we don't have the the, um, the little handheld things that can fix your uh, uh, wounds, both internal and external, with uh, no surgery. But but we do have some things similar. We do have life-saving devices that we can carry with us. Uh, AEDs were would be a thing of science fiction. Yeah, it's not exactly how it was. But we have a version of it. And that's because the, the the argument is always there. Does life imitate art or does art imitate life? And I think yes is the answer. I don't think art necessarily imitates life all the time. I think art imagines life and then life tries to imitate it. So who knows? Uh, maybe the movies are closer to what's actually going on than we really know. It's something to think about, at least. We have all these wild concepts that we talk about. Cryptids, aliens, UFOs, uh, the unexplained, the paranormal... They often feel little more than children's fantasies. But that's because there's a lot we don't understand about our world. There's so much that we have yet to figure out. 
And as we as a society grow and change, we expand. So does our consciousness. So does our understanding of the world around us and the sciences that exist. And just because it isn't true today does not mean it won't be true tomorrow. And I like that fact. It's infuriating, too, at times, because it's like, man, I'd really like to see this in my lifetime. I probably won't. But that doesn't mean it won't happen in someone's lifetime. Let's get back to Bigelow. Now, as we stated, we're pretty sure he had his team under a non-disclosure agreement of some sort. And if he did get any information... What if he kept it to himself? It's kind of sad to think about it, really. With a man whose sole purpose in life was to earn enough money to fund a journey into exploring the unknown and expanding mankind's perception of the world and space around them, he may have found the answer and decided to keep the secrets to himself. That's just food for thought. It's all speculation. But if he discovered something, something that was never seen or heard of, you have to admit that it's quite selfish to keep the knowledge to yourself. In other words, something, something, Prometheus and fire. I wonder... I wonder if any of us could handle a secret that big. I wonder what you would do. Say you found out Bigfoot was real. What would you do with the information? And then, ethically, what would be the right thing to do with the information? I think if I ever got proof that Bigfoot was real, I don't think I'd say anything. I don't think I'd come on here in the next episode and be like, I seen him! I shook hands and had pancakes with the Sam Squanch himself. Here's the photographic proof. It's me and him doing heart hands for the gram. I don't think I would. I don't think I'd say anything because I know how people are. I know how humans are. We're terrible. We would capture Bigfoot. We would torture him until he died and call it scientific study. I wouldn't want that for that creature. I wouldn't want that for any creature. I don't want that for any humans. That's a terrible way to, to, to live or to die in a mad scientist lab as their fucking unholy plaything? No. No, I don't believe I would say anything. I believe I'd keep my mouth shut. I believe I'd be very happy to know that I know the truth. But I believe I would keep my mouth shut. And maybe Mr. Bigelow found out more than he bargained for. 
Maybe Mr. Bigelow found out the secrets to the universe and knew what mankind would do with them and decided maybe it's best they don't know. Now, I'm going to tell you what. I come up with a bunch of ideas every day. Hundreds of ideas. My brain is always firing off in different directions. While I'm working, while I'm studying, while I'm playing video games, it's it's just, it's like a fucking popcorn machine in there. And every so often I have ideas that seem good, but they also seem like if I were to express them and the wrong people got a hold of them, terrible consequences would come of it there are concepts that i i think that i often don't vocalize because again the wrong people could do terrible things with i believe there's a responsibility when it comes to uh, creativity ingenuity and imagination and weighing whether or not something is good for society versus wanting the notoriety for being the one to create or discover the thing is an important discussion one should have with themselves. And I do find myself frustrated a lot because... I feel there's a lot of stuff that if people thought for more than two seconds, they wouldn't post, they wouldn't share, they wouldn't make become a thing. I did a TikTok earlier today that kind of sums up how I've been feeling about the platform for a little bit now. It's like, I'm fucking bored. How many times can I see the same fucking uh, filter? Or AI creation. How many times can I see the same fucking video with different uh, voiceover on it? It's the same dance. It's the same this. It's the same that. And then you have creators that are actually talented. That their work is being stolen. And shared for clout. By people who have nothing to do with it. And TikTok doesn't do anything about it. It's funny because I've been thinking this for a while and MatPat just recently uploaded a video said, why does all YouTube look the same? And I've thought that for a while. One of the big reasons I don't do that well on YouTube is I don't play into the algorithm. I I feel you can do that and you're going to be chasing that algorithm until the fucking cows come home. Mutilated or not. Or you can put forth your content and hope the right people find it and hope that, uh, you know, it explodes on its own. But if you look at YouTube thumbnails, if you look at the content, if you look at the way things are worded, if you look at what they're doing, it's not unique. It's not... It's not unique. That's all there is to it. It is a copy of a copy of a copy. 
Right? How many times can we watch Mr. Beast give away a shit ton of money? How many times can we watch someone do a tier list? Even though I'm guilty, I've done one. How many times can we watch someone eat everything on the menu of a particular restaurant? Like, at what point do we pull the plug and say, you know what? I've seen this. I don't need to see it again. And it's no different. Music, Hollywood, all of it. It's all just the regurgitation machine, right? Like, it, it, it makes only natural sense that it has now finally come to the, the internet platforms like TikTok and YouTube and Instagram and all that. Hollywood hasn't had a unique idea in years. The music industry, fuck, man, pick a genre. Play seven songs. I bet you I cannot tell you the difference between the songs or the artist. It all sounds the same. It all reads the same. It all looks the same. Everyone is so busy trying to be an individual that guess what? They've just become like everyone else. And I think that we're nearing the pop of the social media bubble. I think we're nearing the pop of the YouTuber, TikTok, you know, even podcasting. I think we're we're hitting that point where the bubble's going to burst. And those of us that really love to do it are still going to keep doing it, and those of us that were out there just trying to to get famous quick, they're going to move on to the next big fad. Because there's nothing we as humans love more than a good fad. See bell bottoms. See 80s uh, clothing. Retro. It's just, I don't get it. Everyone wants to be a trendsetter by setting the same trends that everyone has set before them. And the worst part is, too, is, like, you get the younger generation that's like, oh, my God, have you ever heard of Guns N' Roses? Yeah, kid. Yeah, I've heard of Guns N' Roses. They're like this new band. I, I totally love them. I, I I just started listening to them. I didn't know if you'd know them or not. You know, I don't know how mainstream, uh, you know, they are or you are. Guns N' Roses is pretty fucking mainstream, but pretty fucking mainstream. You know, it's it's just But I think we're at the the point where that bubble is about to pop. And I think it's time. <laughs> Honestly, I think it needs to be lanced like a fucking boil, but uh all in due time, right? But yeah, I think I would keep that information to myself. I don't think I'd go telling it on the mountaintops that Bigfoot exists. Because the gain for myself doesn't outweigh in my mind or my heart 
the terrible reality that would destroy the mystery. I could do it. Question is, could you or would you? In fact, if you see this on YouTube or you see this posted anywhere on social media and whatnot, please go back to our Facebook page or or comment on the Twitter post or comment wherever you find the, the, the ad for this episode. And let me know, if you made it this far, if you were told something mythical actually existed, what would you do with that information? How would you handle it? Would you try to get rich off of it? Or would you take the, the little nugget of uh, information and, and hold it dear and be happy that you knew the true answer but didn't want to ruin it for either that thing or the rest of humanity? Because imagine, imagine I found out Bigfoot is real, right? Then imagine I went, ran and told everyone, Bigfoot is real. I have proof. Let me show you. And I showed proof. And what I think will happen actually happens. They capture one. And they begin torturing it in the name of scientific study. And then we wind up with War of the Goddamn Bigfoots. We have no many, no idea how many there are. Could you imagine if a thousand Bigfoot marched on every city? Like they just came clamoring in and just started fucking shit up because we took one of theirs and are torturing it. Do you imagine the War of the Bigfoots? World War Foot. Because we don't think that far ahead, right? We don't think that anything bad had come of it. We just think, oh, we got one. Yeah, we got one. We can study it. We can do whatever we want with it. Ain't nobody going to stop us. America, greatest country there ever was. Fuck yeah. We don't think about the consequences of what we call natural progression of things or top of the food chain we think we're the top of the food chain motherfucker go out into the ocean you go out into the ocean and wait for the sharks to come and tell me if you still feel like top of the fucking food chain better yet you be on a boat and have a whale surface next to that boat you tell me if you still feel like top of the fucking food chain because i guarantee you get knocked off that boat and that whale's hungry enough your bitch ass is getting eaten You're barely top of the food chain in your own fucking home. Because if you have a heart attack, your dog and your cat will likely eat you. Scientific studies have shown that dogs, it will take longer for a dog to eat you than it will a cat. But they will eat you. A cat will fucking tear into your ass pretty much almost immediately after you've died. A dog, it'll take them about a week or two, I think, if I remember correctly, the study. But we like to think we're top of the fucking food chain. And that's because nobody, nobody's come along and handed us our ass yet. It's happened in small doses. Like I said, shark attacks and shit like that. 
But you go out into the middle of the ocean without a boat and fucking just, just kick your legs for a few. Them sharks show up, you you tell me if you still feel like you're at the top of the fucking food chain. Hell, go out into the woods. Are you top of the fucking food chain when it comes to a bear? I bet you'll say, well, I have a gun. I won't go out there without a gun. Bear don't got a gun. Bear just got himself and his instincts. But we have no idea the the shit that could come down out of us if we go monkeying with certain things. And maybe, just maybe, Bigelow did find something. And he, uh, he saw the bigger picture. You'd have to think someone that's, uh, as, uh, forward thinking as Bigelow was and the entrepreneurial spirit and the, the scientific investigative spirit inside of him, you would have to think that he might be the best person to be able to see further than this. So maybe he did find something, and maybe he thought it was better that nobody else know. Let's fast forward a few years. After the closure of the NID, uh, NIDS in 2004, a Pentagon worker with uh, the DIA, James Lekaski, picks up Com, Colm, Col, uh, Colm Keller and George Knapp's book, Hunt for the Skinwalker. In 2007, and he's captivated by it. He's just enamored. He cannot put it down and reads it cover to cover. He comes to the realization that there could definitely be something behind all of this and sets out to create an outlet to examine all these claims. James Lukaski manages to get in uh, contact with Robert Bigelow himself. After some coercing, he convinces Bigelow to allow him to tour the Skinwalker Ranch much of the tour uh much of the tour noting nothing of note truly took place until they toured the actual home the Shermans occupied while living there. As they did a walkthrough, Lekaski had a paranormal experience. Not of the ghostly Victorian era garbed or not of the ghostly Victorian era garbed personage, uh one would mostly imagine. He described it as a translucent being looking very much like the image of Mike Oldfield's Tubular Bells album cover. With this encounter, Lukaski was convinced that more research needed to be done. He was soon in contact with the Nevada Senator Harry Reid. After corresponding multiple times, Reid would eventually garner government funding of $22 million over five years to create a new branch of the Pentagon. This branch would be called the AAWSAP, or Advanced Aerospace Weapon Systems Application Program. While never directly linked to the research of Skinwalker Ranch, you can easily connect the dots and walk it back from there. This new office has an extreme interest in this area. For whatever reason, something is happening there. This new government venture proposed an outsourced contract for its research and development. 
It was open to any aerospace manufacturing company. We're talking Boeing, Northrop Grumman, all of the big guns. Any company in the aerospace industry was eligible to enter the ring. Any one of them could make a bid for this contract. And do you want do you want to know how many companies made a bid? You figure when did they say what year this was? When did I say this uh, was 2004, right? That's closure. Um, figure another year or so. So figure around 2005. So 22 million dollars over five years was on the table for this contract. One company bid on it. And can you guess which company that was? Bigelow Aerospace. Now this might sound like tinfoil hat time, but I sincerely feel, even with the lack of provided proof, that something is going on out there. For so much interest and money to be thrown at this desolate plot of land, there has got to be something to it. It just seems to be the center of everything esoteric, but you always come away with nothing but more questions. I mentioned this in the, the first episode. I have a jar of dirt. It is a jar of dirt, small jar of dirt. This jar of dirt was brought back to me by my friend Ace when he went cross-country. One of the stops that he made was in Utah at Skidwalker Ranch, or as close to Skidwalker Ranch as he could get. There are gates set way off the property so you can't get anywhere near it. And there are guards Government guards. Why do you have a desolate plot of land, a ranch, a farm, gated off, guarded by government workers, if nothing is going on out there? You mean to tell me that this is all to keep, you know, kids from smoking pot and teens from fucking and, uh, people from fucking graffitiing the farm i highly doubt that that doesn't sound right it's in the middle of bumfuck nowhere utah what's going on out there why would they need that kind of security on a ranch what are they testing what do they know Seems a bit overkill, if you ask me. I can't think of a single reason why there would be that much protection for a plot of land that nothing's going on. Because, seriously, hold on, let me, let me pull it up while I'm thinking about it. Because you got to see the pictures of this. Hold on. 
copy image. Image two. Oh, I got to save this. Hold on. Save image. I should have had this. I didn't think we'd go the into here, but hold on. Look at that. You have a guard shack, right? Armed guard, dressed in all black. Motorized gate. There's a lot of money being spent there. Those gates aren't cheap. And that's just after you have entered the property but there is a no trespassing sign about half a football field if not more I wish I had the picture that my buddy took because it illustrates it better but what's going on out there what don't they want us to see? What don't they want us to know? What is being hidden? What is being protected? You have to ask yourself, will it ever be known? Will it be kept as a tight secret as the Navajo keep the majority of their traditions? There's a million questions about this location. All I really want to know is that Skinwalker Ranch, or all I really know is that Skinwalker Ranch seems to be something special. And there's something otherworldly and spectacular happening, happening there. And part of me would like to say we deserve to know. But again, I go back to if everybody knows, then there will be people that are looking to exploit it. And if there are people looking to exploit it, we have to ask why. And we also have to ask what are the consequences of letting those people exploit it. Right now, it seems to be in the control... of Robert Bigelow of the government. Which, maybe, Bigelow is the right person to be in control. Maybe he has the maturity or the... the wherewithal to see a concept bigger than himself and bigger than everything we know and want to protect it. Like I said, I know I would. If I knew that uh, the stakes of the game were large, I would protect it. I would protect whatever it is I knew. Well, that brings us to a close for our series on the Skinwalker Ranch. Um... The problem is, is 
a lot there a lot of the material that's written goes over the same material that we went over in uh hunt for the skinwalker ranch and there aren't there isn't any hard evidence so we have to leave it at speculation but given everything we've talked about what do you say what do you think's going on out there is it aliens is it ancient energy ley lines cracking open and otherworldly beings or other dimensional beings coming out or is it simply one family who had an experience with mass hysteria that captured the imagination of an eccentric billionaire and has been intriguing others ever since. Who knows? I think some things are better left unknown. I think not everything needs to have the jam taken out of the donut, if you will. We need a few things left in the world to seem unique and special. Because when we, li we live in a world where everyone thinks they're unique and special and nobody is. So things like Area 51, things like UFOs, things like uh, the Sherman Ranch, things like Bigfoot, all these things that we don't have any real proof of, they spark our imagination, they kickstart our creativity, they feed a part of us that has always been with us a sense of wonder a sense of whimsy a sense of just a really good fucking story she gotta remember we is we as a, a a creature society a being telling stories has always been a part of us telling uh, uh tall tales has been a deeply ingrained part of our culture. And it doesn't matter what culture you look at, humans in general have been telling stories ever since we could write on walls. You go back and look at the earliest cave drawings. They, they, they told a story. <clears throat> sometimes the story was as simple as <clears throat> hey go here turn left find food <clears throat> other times they were stories in the sense of your uncle after he's come back from a fishing trip i once caught a fish this big but storytelling has been an important part of the human culture since the human culture has been a thing. And I feel that this falls into that category. 
that it's uh, important for us to to keep that sense of wonder, to keep that sense of whimsy, to keep pushing towards the unknown. We need that spark, right? Anyways, I want to thank you all for joining us. I'm, I'm glad you've been, been with us through this series. We've got about 10 minutes left, and uh, I'm just going to hang out with you guys for a few. Um, make sure you check out our merch shop. If you haven't already, it's the Little Shop of Oddities. There's uh, links for it on pretty much everything we do. Uh, please subscribe to us on YouTube. Um, we put a lot of work and effort into to trying to keep some content coming at you without inundating you but then not falling behind um i'm on tiktok but i don't know for how much longer you can find us there cult of odd pretty much if you just google cult of odd we will come up we were trying to hit a thousand followers by the end of october and we didn't do it on the facebook page and i'm sad so i'm gonna try it again i want to hit a thousand followers by the end of november I really want to be able to release this thing. It's it's so cool, I think, anyways. Uh, but anyways, yeah. So we're gonna do it again. We're gonna we're gonna try for the the end of November, right? So right now, our Facebook page for the Cult of Odd is sitting at 863 followers. If we can hit a thousand followers. On the Facebook page, by the end of November, we will release the merch in time for Christmas. I'm trying. And we don't have that far of a gap to uh, to go. So, if you've enjoyed the series, by all means, um, we have ways that you can help us out. Uh, you can buy merch. You can... I believe there's a donation link that is set up. Um, you can uh, become a subscriber on Twitch. Uh, you can even donate through Twitch. Uh, there's tons of ways that you can help support us in what we do. And I want to give a big shout out to my researcher, Matt Roberts. He really came through on the Skinwalker research. Uh, he's recently had started a new job and he was trying to, to juggle the, the training and the research and getting me uh the things i needed for the episodes and he did a bang up job we're actually going to give matt uh, a couple of weeks off uh so he can find his new groove and whatnot and not have to worry about us um so that means next week is probably going to be a bit of a mixed bag of stuff we're going to have more multimedia we're going to have like videos and stuff that we're going to talk about shit that i found shit that I want to be like, what the fuck is this? You know, we're going to have uh, a little more fun with it. Uh, we're going to utilize the chat box window to uh, showcase things. And remember, as always, with the, the show, we are ever-evolving, ever-changing, always trying to add new things to make it more interesting and more appealing. Um, and just, we're a mixed bag, baby. Forrest said life is like a box of chocolates, but I'm going to tell you... The Cult of Odd is like a box of chocolates. You never know what the fuck you're going to get. I think that's part of the charm. It's part of the mystery. Part of the allure. 
But we're going to go ahead and end it for here tonight. We're going to turn you back over to the wild. It is Wednesday. I hope you guys have a great Thursday and rest of the week. I will see you somewhere along the line. Uh, we'll be back in two weeks. And like I said, it's probably going to be a mixed bag show. But thank you for hanging out with me. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for all of the downloads for these episodes. And I can't wait to bring you more great content. We are working on something special for December. Um, but uh, until next time, be good to yourselves. Be good to each other. And in the immortal words of the Iron Sheik, good night and go fuck yourself. <laughs>